Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. another episode of the Shrink Think Podcast. If you are a conflict avoider, or maybe you like to avoid risk, or if you are somebody who describes yourself as someone who lacks confidence, maybe you don't really understand your anxiety, you want to better understand it and reduce it, do something about it. And maybe you are somebody who wants to grow in your confidence. Well, hey, welcome to the show. This episode is for you. We're going to be talking about confidence to defeat anxiety. And in this episode, you're going to learn how to assess your beliefs and own them, and then also how to be confident, humble, and a whole lot less anxious. So over the last several episodes of our show, we've been talking about anxiety and stress and fear and those kinds of things. And Nathan and I were talking before the show that I think in a lot of ways, we use those two terms, stress and anxiety, pretty interchangeably. But we got to talking like those aren't really the same thing. So we wanted to start out with this episode. We're going to be talking about confidence to defeat anxiety. Let's first of all differentiate our stress and anxiety the same thing. Nathan, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, they are not. Because you can actually be stressed and not necessarily feel the anxiety. And you can have anxiety and be stressed. Um, So I know that just got more confusing. What the heck did you just say? (laughs) So stress is more of this concophony of like a bunch of different chemistry going on in your body that's affecting different muscles, different organs that your mind is involved with. And I'll give you an example. There's a person that I've worked with in the past that had some stuff going on inside their pelvic floor, which is actually pretty common. And their pelvic floor is really tight, and then they have to go to physical therapy. Can you describe a little bit, like, what is this pelvic floor? It is uh, muscles that are in your lower abdomen, well, around your pelvis. And they do a bunch of things. I don't want to get into it, and I don't understand all of it, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. But they can be tight, and you cannot know it, Um, except for you might be feeling some pain or something else that's going on. It's literally a stress on that muscle. Right. So... That muscle's doing that, stressed out, and your doctor's like, oh, you need to go to this physical therapist, and you're going to go ahead and deal with it. Anyway, but you could be a person that could have that muscle tight and because of stress, but you don't feel anxious. I to ask you, are, are you anxious? Uh, no, I'm fine. And then you go in and find out that the stress has taken over essentially a part of your body, and it's kind of located there. Anxiety doesn't work like that. Anxiety is stuff that we, as a fancy word, we use to describe different forms of nervousness and what your mind, how your mind interacts with that nervousness, like these things, racing thoughts, and maybe your thoughts just take off without, you might feel a little kind of tinge of adrenaline, your heart is pumping a little bit, you might be more tuned into things or more actually distracted by everything because you can't focus. (laughs) Anxiety that's more intense can actually be very overwhelming and can take over your life. So it sounds like if you're describing stress, that would be like a leech that latches onto some part of your body or a couple of parts of your body and like 
squeezes tight in like taxes them makes you feel kind of constricted or tight around them if it's like a muscle for example whereas anxiety is like a heavy blanket that is you're just sort of buried under entirely <laughs> yeah exactly that's a good way to say it both sound pretty awful <laughs> if you ask me yeah it's not it's not awesome i was thinking as you said that like of, of if they were like different people it'd be like anxiety would be like um so stress walks in and anxiety's like, I don't know what to do with this. Stress is like, I'll just put it right here. Hold on just a second. I gotta I'm gonna put it right over here. You won't you won't even notice it at all. Anxiety's like, oh, okay, thank you for moving that. I feel better now. <laughs> at least I'm not anxious. <laughs> right. So practically speaking, uh, it sounds like you're saying or, or I should say practically experientially, if somebody is stressed, you might feel it like in your body, but mentally, emotionally, psychologically if you don't have the anxiety that's associated with it, then you can be going along and maybe even having a good day, but like your body is tired, fatigued, maybe even having some of these problems, that would be stress. And anxiety would be if you just had anxiety without stress, which seems like that would be kind of ridiculous. How do you have anxiety without having your body be stressed? Because anxiety stresses your body, actually releases stress hormones into your body. So, the, but the anxiety would be more like that, you know, fidgety nervousness. You know, you saw, you see like the anxious guy in the waiting room that you're like, man, like stop tapping your foot so much, you know, buddy. Like you're in the right place, I guess. At least is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. The, maybe one final way to explain it is stress is the storehouse for anxiety. So anxiety is the experience that you're having, but stress stores it. So. The difference is an anxious person is going to feel that anxiety most of the time. But somebody who is really not an anxious person, what they do, they may either might A, not really be an anxious person, or B, be really good at storing that anxiety in the form of stress somewhere. So they get, they get anxious and they go, no, and then their body just sucks it in somewhere and then they don't feel anxiety. And so, but your doctor will find it later when you go in for weird examinations. (laughs) (laughs) My body's hurting. Well, you're just, you just have some mental problems. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're like, no, but it really hurts. I know you really are mental. (laughs) (laughs) That's true though. I mean, in a more extreme version of that, when some folks have panic attacks, I mean, we get this all the time. People will go to their doctor or even go to like the ER or an urgent care and they'll say, I'm having these physical problems. I think something is really wrong. That would be like the stress. They run all these tests and the disappointing result comes back of everything's fine. Maybe you should talk to a therapist. Aaron and Nathan have this wonderful (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Maybe you should listen to. It's really disappointing because it seems like it's so physical and tangible. How in the world could that be mental related? But it is. That's what anxiety is. Yeah, and actually, um, a lot of the autoimmune uh, issues out there are, watch this word, psychogenic. Boop, boop. That sounds like a crazy word. Can you explain it? (laughs) Probably because it has the word psycho in it. (laughs) That doesn't mean crazy, though, right? It just means it starts in your head. Um, The genesis of the psychology, like the genesis of what happens started in in your mind or whatever. They first kind of put, put that out there with actually with fibromyalgia. They started noticing that people were developing fibromyalgia after experiencing some form of trauma. And we're not going to talk more really about that just to say, okay, so this is pretty significant, meaning that the difference, there is a difference between stress and anxiety. We are talking about today more just directly anxiety and how to be confident uh, and, and battle your insecurities, which is, I guess, probably where we need to start out with this idea of insecurities. 
because it can make you insecure when you go into your doctor, right? And you're like, yeah, I have this ulcer. Yeah, that's because of stress. And nowadays, you know that it actually is more of a thing, a meaning more in the culture to already kind of know like, oh, if you have an ulcer, mm, you're probably stressed out. You must have something going on. I've actually thought about that before, wondering like, it's like the open wound of like, look at my anxiety. Look at, look at how I don't manage things well and I'm doing too much in my life or whatever. So if we're talking about insecurities, then anxiety is kind of coming from insecurities. Maybe we should unpack that a little bit. As, it, as I was putting together some of my notes on this episode, I was thinking about a lot of people who maybe grew up in environments where things were done for them or they weren't given a lot of opportunity to do things on their own, or maybe even um, you're entering into a phase of your life or a transition where you're doing something that you have not done before. So it's kind of tapping into something in you that is new to you and that you're unskilled at. So in that context, you have a lot of insecurity, meaning you're not secure in your ability. You don't know what you're capable of. And when you are entering into something, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. You have a lot of fear. You know, you're questioning your ability, you're questioning your confidence, you're questioning the outcome, and that can raise a lot of anxiety. So let's break this down in like a super simple type of way. I would take as an example, your children's shoes, tying, tying your children's shoes. You want them to learn to tie their shoes, right? And so what you do is you teach them to tie their shoes when they're like three or four and they get become more efficient at it, that kind of thing. Well, if you didn't, uh, maybe you got Velcro shoes. You know, you're like, I just don't have the time. I just don't want to deal with this. And then this gets later and now they're at school and now they're told like they have to tie their shoes on their own because they, they have a situation where their shoes untie and they can't do it. Uh, they don't know how to tie their shoes. Because all you've done is given them, like, this is maybe their first tie shoes and they, they don't know how to do it and you haven't, you haven't had the patience to teach them. Well, now what you've taught them is that they're not capable. And by the way, it's all been about you because you've just been in a hurry. And I would add also, there's the message that they should be capable out there in the world, right? Because if somebody's like a teacher or other students, their peers are saying, hey, why can't, you know, why don't you just tie your shoes? The message is you should be able to. And it's a reasonable message for sure. Right. And then the kiddo is in that situation feeling nervous because they don't know how to do something that it looks like everybody else does. I mean, imagine the kid standing there looking around at their schoolmates and going like, I am the only one that can't do this. And so that message gets lodged in your brain, right? So later in life, um, you have an experience where you're just anxious about something and what we're hoping to help you with is the idea to understand your insecurities because some of us may, maybe don't really know where they are. And I'm just talking about this to show like the genesis of some of this insecurity can start really early. Yeah. And, and we're not necessarily saying that because you didn't learn to tie your shoes, you're going to be anxious about, you know, going to work or something. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know what kind of clients you're seeing. Maybe that's out there. If that's All we you. do is tie shoes. <laughs> All day. I guess somebody comes in, they're like, I'm anxious. Okay, let's untie and tie your shoes again. But I'm not wearing those. I'm wearing pumps. Let's take those off. Do you buckle well? <laughs> Oh my goodness. And that'll be 150 bucks. Thank you very much. But no, we're also saying that looking at these situations, if that's something that happens, going back to your example, 
that student will begin to avoid those kinds of situations. Some people will go the direction of, you know, trying to overcompensate and learn all of the things, you know, teach themselves or whatever. That's like perfectionism. Um, but for a lot of people, most of the time, it'll happen where they'll just avoid those situations, avoid those people, avoid those shoes. They might not even say that that's what they're doing. And of course, if you're a kid and this is happening, uh, you're doing this, but you don't really have a conscious awareness of it because you just don't have that, that self-awareness ability yet developmentally. That's not until you get much older to where you can have that ability. But what's happening, though, is you're developing this pattern in yourself of avoiding things that you don't know how to do, avoiding situations or things that um, you don't have the ability or that seem scary to you. And that can grow over time because if one thing is scary, the next thing can be scary. And if that's scary, the next thing can be scary. And that you can see how that can grow. That develops a pattern in you that you operate from as you get older that can make insecurity and anxiety really, really big. And one of the things that you notice probably is that the way that you encounter things is different than your peers. So your peers will tell you stuff like, man, you're just, you just don't like risk, do you? I mean, you're just not going to do it. This actually is a big thing in the land of therapy when it comes to business ownership, going out on your own and deciding whether or not you're going to do your own practice or you're going to work for somebody else. People will go, ah, I just don't know if I can make it. I don't know how you guys do that. I get that all the time. I don't know how you decide to do that. Like, weren't you worried about like X, Y, Z? Like, and I'm like, no, I know how to tie my shoes. <laughs> I'm just I was definitely worried. I, re I remember the jump because I had a full-time job or like that became a part-time job as I was building my practice. And there was a point at which I was like, okay, I'm seeing enough people that if I maintain this, then I can quit my other job. And this is going to be the only thing that I have. There was a fear that it wasn't going to last, but I had to like look at that and say, I mean, something major would have to happen. Like I've been maintaining this level for a while. It's pretty consistent and it's still kind of growing. And so I know it has the, probably the history to keep going. The only thing that would have to happen would be something major and catastrophic. And that's just not likely. I guess now after the pandemic, that's possible. Like dinosaurs could roam the earth again. So for all you, <laughs> all you phobic people out there, you're welcome. <laughs> but in reality, like it's been going fine. So taking, taking that step of faith or that leap of risk really wasn't that big of a deal when I looked at it on paper. Cause it's like, I'm going to continue doing the same things I've already been doing. Yeah. I was, as you're saying that I was thinking back to when I, I did this, I was working kind of a full-time job. Well, not, it's a real full-time job. And I had also four clients a week. And this clinic approached me. There was a private practice clinic. And they were like, hey, you should come with us, you know, whatever. Because I had some connect, some colleagues that had been there. And they were doing fine. And they were like, you're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And um, But when they approached, I was like, okay, this is, I have to either, I'm kind of deciding to either do this or not do this. And the only way to actually pull it off, I was going to have to quit my full-time job. And that was terrifying. You think about that, four clients, <laughs> four people. My wife was working um, at that time, and it was a great job. She was working for Nike, so that was pretty solid. And I was like, if we're going to, and I, she was like, uh, what now? What are you talking about? She's much more risk averse than me. So, um, but at that point, it was like, put up or shut up. And so, and that's kind of what happens with this confidence versus insecurity. You look back and go, okay, <laughs> I'll tell people, and we've said it before on this podcast, 
fake it till you make it. You kind of basically take that insecurity out to the shed and you put it in there and go like, all right, we're just going to be confident even though I do not feel it. I do not feel this totally <laughs> and we're gonna do it and kind of fake that confidence inside myself because it's a way to, to compartmentalize that anxiety because in a way that anxiety, while it's not helpful and it's not gonna do anything in the moment that's gonna do anything good, so I think the way that I chose to organize that was to go, this is not going to do anything. I'm going to have to do this and follow my face and then it'll just be over or maybe it'll work. Maybe something will work out and it seemed like it would be okay. Yeah, and if you are terrified at this moment, that's okay because we are talking about taking a risk. And I guess let me just back up a little bit and say, when we as therapists are talking with people about these fears and these insecurities and, you know, I don't have the confidence to move forward, we're not saying go out there and start a private practice, right? <laughs> like that's a massive step. We'll tell people, let's start with something small, something that you're not sure you can do. So if it's, I'm not sure I can tie my shoes, let's start there. Because the consequence of failing at that or making a mistake in that is pretty small. You know, you untangle your laces and you start over like not a big deal whereas if you go out there and you start a business like maybe you don't know anything about business and you invest a lot of money and you fail I mean that's a bigger leap when you take that first step we want it to be something that you do have some ability in that's kind of a stretch for your abilities so what we're really talking about is starting where you are meeting you where you're at uh, acknowledging what you are capable of and then taking a step out beyond that, that might seem like, well, I have done something like this before, but I've never done this before. So for example, if we're talking about a job and you've done, you know, certain things like with finances, let's say, and then somebody else is asking you to do something a little bit beyond like some projections of finances. And you're like, well, I haven't quite done projections, but I've done a lot of um, finances just looking at what is and what has been. Well, forecasting is just kind of an extension of that. It's like a formula. So I've never done it before, but I think I can. That would be like a step in that direction of let's apply for that job. Let's talk to the people and be honest about where we're at. And maybe you take the job and you learn some things and you do well at it. Those steps though are what I think the guy's name, the author's name is Russ Harris. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. He has this great book called The Confidence Gap. And he's describing exactly what you're saying. Most of the time we think that we need to feel confident before we take a step in that direction, but he's saying that's not how it works because your feelings are gonna tell you, ah, I'm afraid, all the time. And that's even normal, right? Even performers that have been out there, you know, athletes and musicians, they still get nervous before they go on stage. He's saying, no, you actually need to go out and do the thing and then eventually your emotions will be like, oh, that wasn't so bad. They'll settle down and you'll learn that it's actually okay to take those risks. So we're saying start out by taking something small, a small step like that, to kind of build the momentum, build some experience, and see that it's it's okay to make make a change or make a mistake. You know, the reality is is your insecurities are actually way far out in front of you. I'm gonna we're milking this shoe thing to death, but like I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do it. If somebody, <laughs> Aaron's making <laughs> milking movements with his fingers, <laughs> like he's milking the tiniest cow in the world. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so that's your fault that this is happening right now, Aaron. Um, so if you think about like your kid is now nervous about their shoe tying, now they're nervous. 
and they're and they're like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not doing it. What we're talking about would be the same as going, okay, what can you do? What you can do is put your shoes on. My, you know, my kid is standing there with no shoes on. And she's not putting her shoes on because then she knows that she's going to have to tie them. And then she doesn't know how to do that. And now she's scared. So the fear has arrested that before it's even started. And so what we're talking about is let's go back. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's just look at what, what do you need to do next? What is the very next thing that you need to do? Because you're putting together things that are making you anxious, that your insecurity is building something up that's going like, this is what's going to happen. It's coming to get you. And you're like, (laughs) you haven't even started yet. I mean... And you're even saying, well, that thing that's farther out, I can't do. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's what you're working toward. It's like saying, well, I can't take a step from here to 20 feet from here. And it's like, well, I know. I'm just asking you to take one step and then one step, and then one step, and eventually those one steps will lead you 20 feet in front of you. Yeah, and this is going to be random, but literally, as you were saying that, I had a client that was, um, actually I've had several that have been in special forces. That is literally how they train special forces. They train, like one guy made the comment, he goes, what they teach you is that you are capable beyond your wildest imaginations to the point where you literally feel like you're pretty invincible. And, and actually maybe in a, in a realistic way, <laughs> really like of how much you can do. Because they're always just doing like, one more, one more, one more. And, you know, before you discard that, because it's like, yeah, well, yeah, but that's the special forces. You are like the, the cream of the crop, right? The same is true for so many things. Like if you've ever, you know, gone to a gym and hired a trainer, that's what they'll do. They'll say, okay, do one more push-up or um, do one more set of lines, you know, if you're a high school basketball coach or something. It's like, it's just to push you to do one more, one more, one more to see that you're limiting yourself by your own brain of what you think that you can do or what you're afraid you cannot do. One more tiny story about this. There's a movie called uh, Lone Survivor. I see what you did there. Just one more story. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. That was accidental and wonderful at the same time. Um, they didn't show this in the movie, but I read the book. Towards the end, it's just him and all of his team basically is gone. Either died or too injured to do anything. And he's trying to get away. And what he does is, and again, this is not in the movie, is he takes his knife and he marks a line out in front of his head. Because he can't walk. And he drags himself across the line. And then he does it again. He just marks a line. Because what can he do? What he can do is he can take his knife and mark a line and set a goal. And then he can drag himself across that line. After everything, all the dust had settled, he had drug himself seven miles by doing that. So it's, it's that idea. Now, if you would go up to somebody, I want you to drag yourself seven miles with your knife. Like, no way, bro. I'm not doing it. But it's, you're not dragging yourself seven miles. You're dragging yourself a few feet. And then you just keep doing it. And that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and so let's zoom out a little bit because this is, this is really good. It's the practical stuff of like just taking one step. And whatever that is, whatever that step is, you know, you can, you can probably look at what you can do and then say, okay, what's the next thing? If you zoom out from all that, really a lot of the themes and patterns that, you're, that we're talking about here are a mindset shift and a relationship shift between you and your abilities and you and your life, I guess. 
So what I mean by that is, if you notice, Nathan is talking about instead of focusing on what I cannot do, because that's like a negative, insecure, maybe even pessimistic, like I'm not going to be able to, you know, down on yourself sort of a thing. Instead, he's saying, okay, what can I do? He's focusing on the possible, on the thing that's within your control. So it's a mindset shift from the fear and the anxiety and the inability to what I can do and just pushing that and stretching that a little bit more. And when you are focused on what you can do, you actually see that you actually have more confidence than you thought you did. And that goes moving forward to reach your goals, but it also works looking backward. So if you, in in the episode um, early on, we interviewed our friend Whitney Owens about um, her journey toward private practice and she's doing business consulting now and doing really well. And we asked her, how do you deal with your own, you know, imposter syndrome, your own insecurities? And she said, I look back at each little step that got me here and realize it was just one more step, one more step, one more step. And she looks back and is like, wow, I've taken a lot of steps to get here. I actually can do this. When you realize that you, you know, in your example, Nathan, that you've drug yourself seven miles, you're like, wow, I could probably go farther because I've, I mean, that's incredible that I've drugged myself that far. So that's what we're talking about in terms of a mindset shift. You have this confidence that, that begins to develop in your abilities. And you're looking at now, not what I can't do or what the stress of the situation is, but how can I get through it? I also talked about it's a relationship shift because that's what I'm describing. Your relationship with stress or with something that's difficult for you or something that maybe is a little bit beyond your capability, you're changing your relationship from being one of, oh, I can't do that, I'm afraid, and I'm averse to that, to, hey, let's negotiate, let's try, let's give this a try. I don't know if it'll work out, but let's see what happens. Right. And, you know, what this brings up for me is kind of the next thing we wanted to go over with with you guys is this idea of accepting your limits as well. Because, you know, (laughs) we can leave you there with like um, this idea that that happens with, you know, you drug yourself seven miles uh, with arrogance. Basically, I can do everything. Don't need anybody. I'm so freaking awesome. It's amazing. Um, That's really ugly and people don't like to be around it. Um, but that's not the same as confidence like we've been talking about because the difference is where humility comes from and where confidence actually comes from is this idea of accepting accepting your limitations, but is this accepting the reality of what you're capable of at the same time? And so oftentimes this unconfident um, approach is because you're not accepting what you're capable of. You're already saying you're not. What we're saying is, well, you've accepted that you're not like way ahead of time based on insecurity that you have but is projecting itself into the future and then telling you, you can't do it. What we're saying is, well, you don't even know that yet. So once you start, you start small and you build up, you can realize you can kind of accepting that you can do that is confidence. And like on the other hand, you may learn about stuff that like you can't do and you just accept that and we call that humility. Yeah, and that's that actually brings a lot of confidence as well. And again, not the kind of confidence that leads you to be arrogant or, or boastful, but having humility to know your limits is like, no, that's just not something I'm I'm good at. Like I I can do a lot I'm pretty athletic and I can do lots of different things, but man, golf is just something that I'm just not great at. It doesn't seem to matter how hard I try, I mean I've never really taken lessons, but it seems like no matter what I do, I'm just, I can barely hit the ball, like, I don't know, 
150, maybe 200 yards at, at best. Um, I'll give you a moment to finish laughing. <laughs> if you're a golfer, <laughs> you can laugh quietly in your car. Um, but like, it's okay. I'm, I just have accepted it. And I'm like, it, it, that's okay. I, I go out there to play for fun. And I have this confidence of like, I can hit it that far. And I just work within those limits. I know that I have to play the game differently than other people. And that's okay. I'm not letting that fear or that anxiety own me or guide me or dictate what I can and cannot do or even my attitude about it. Um, I'm not letting it tell me I can't go out and play golf because I'm not good at it. I just say this is how good I am and I'm okay with that. Right. And I think um, where I used to be is more like just being vulnerable because um, that's what we kind of committed to do doing this podcast in the first place a long time ago is I I had struggle with arrogance and I still do I think off and on but like kind of unknowingly for years in the beginning of like starting a business stuff. So, and it's because I was like faking the confidence so hardcore, accepting my limit to not be able to do it would also be just accepting failure, which would mean if I take that out, that I'm this horrible, unacceptable person. So I can't do that. So I'm just going to have to just make crap up as I go and feign this confidence as much as I possibly can, because the other side is worse, which would be like, well, you can't do it. Because then I'd be like, well, I'm not a person, you know, like, which is, I know it's ridiculous, but as I say that, I'm hoping maybe some of you out there can identify a bit to go like, wow, that's really a thing. But it's also helped me over the years if things have settled, I've been able to accept the other side of that, which is like, yeah, I can't do that. Like whatever this thing is that it's like, I'm not good at it. And that's okay. It's okay that I'm not good at it. Like, I don't even know if I want to do that type of <laughs> whatever the that is. That's helped me kind of realize like, you know, you're okay. Like it's, it's a lot of um, self-acceptance too in that, situ- in that situation, which makes it, I think, easier for others to be around. Because the problem with being, because um, there's false humility as well and being a victim and that kind of thing. Um, we kind of, as humans, are naturally tuned into arrogance and false humility or victimization. We just know, we just know, we know something's there. We not, might not be able to exactly put a pink finger on it, but it just feels inauthentic and nasty. Quite frankly, when I was confronted with that reality in my own life, I was like, wow, people can people can see this even like I need to get a handle on this because I am way more visible in a negative way than I would have ever imagined. And that's kind of actually the start of me kind of owning things. And that was a few a bunch of years ago, I think, at this point, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that, too, because as you're describing it you are getting clarity on who you are, what you're, what you're capable of, what you're not capable of, um, maybe what your abilities and your talents are and what they're not, which is cool because then you get, you know, you're really clear on knowing yourself and then you can obviously present that to yourself and other people, that, or present yourself to other people. But the other thing that you're describing is, is these realistic expectations. When you know who you are and what you're capable of and you also have accepted your limitations, you begin to look at the world differently because you see, you know more of what you can do and cannot do and then you are adjusting your expectations accordingly. Instead of saying, oh, there's all these things I, need, I wanna do on the weekend and I'm gonna like do this and then I'm gonna rah, rah, and like, well, no, wait a minute, if I know myself, I maybe start out really fierce and then I lose steam around three o'clock and then I just don't want to do anything. Okay, if that's realistic, then I'm probably only going to get half of these things done. Instead of approaching the weekend uh, projects, for example, with 
I'm gonna get all these things done and then resulting in feeling like a failure or feeling depressed that I didn't get everything done, I'm adjusting ahead of time because I know who I am and what's realistically going to happen. And then I feel good about what I'm doing and also when the weekend is over, I'm looking back saying, yeah, I got just about as much accomplished as I thought I would or maybe even a little bit more. Or if I didn't, if it was a little bit less, it's like, okay, that's all right. I kind of figured some of that stuff would happen anyway, and it did a little bit more than I expected. So that's okay. You can kind of see how that creates, I guess, a little bit more of a buffer against stress, disappointment, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. And it gives you more confidence for what you're doing. So these realistic expectations, are, I think, are a natural outworking of knowing yourself and what you're really capable of. Yeah, I think it becomes a truth. It becomes a fact. Like accepting those things is just a fact. And it's on the level of like arguing what water is. I, I'm not going to have an argument with you about what water is. I mean, water is water. Everybody has to have it or else we die. So this idea, though, that like, when, I mean, well, my point is that when you accept these, these truths about yourself, it's just that factual. It just is that way. But, you know, to share those with another person, you know, some of you guys are struggling maybe with more like with confrontation. I mean, I'll, I'll challenge you. Like, what are you actually worried about when you're just sharing? Like, because you don't want maybe you struggle with saying no. Well, the fact is you've learned about yourself that you can't or don't do well at that. It's the same thing as arguing about water. Like somebody goes, you know, they really want me to do X, Y, Z. Well, just saying like, that's not me is just saying that's not me. Like, that's all you're saying. You're not saying like, yep, I'm an incapable pile of crap that now you have the permission to not like and look down upon. And I totally deserve that because I can't do X, Y, Z. Like, no, you're just saying like, water is something I drink. Like, it just is that way. Yeah, hopefully as you are, as we turn the corner to end this episode, you're reflecting back and realizing as you're listening, huh, I wonder if I think that way about myself. I wonder what I believe about myself, my abilities. What do I focus on? That's, that's how you can kind of begin to assess, like, I guess what path you're on. If you have anxiety and you're noticing yourself resonate with a lot of these negative things that we're talking about, well, that's probably a major contributing factor to your anxiety and your lack of confidence. And if you can shift and focus on these other things that we've talked about through this episode, then that will make a big change for you. It'll, it'll take a lot of work and it will feel a lot like you're faking it or like you're pretending you're missing something, you're not paying attention to something major that you need to be paying attention to, but that's just old pattern thinking and old familiarity that's drawing you back in. Avoid that, resist that as much as you can because building new habits and building new pathways in your brain does take a lot of intentionality, but it can be done with practice. Over the next episode, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome, which is kind of an extension of this a little bit. A lot of folks have been talking recently about imposter syndrome, and as we were putting this episode together, you know, your confidence and your abilities and just kind of feeling okay about general life stuff, actually several people were beginning to talk about um, changing their jobs or getting a new position at their work, mainly in something that they were doing professionally, and feeling like I don't have the confidence or trust in my abilities to do this. And that's a kind of a more specific area that we're going to go into next time. So if this has been interesting to you and you'd love to learn more about that, stay tuned for our next episode on imposter syndrome. We'll break down perfectionism and procrastination and all that kind of fun stuff. Ooh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening today, you guys. 
Have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.